Well, greetings and welcome to The Dividing Line. We are in the big studio today, and I'm glad that we are because we have a big guest with us from overseas. I um, am glad we're doing this one while I'm home uh, because I want to be able to put stuff up on the screen and um, let you know what's, uh, what's going on overseas. Some of you will recall that I have mentioned a number of times uh, on the program the uh, relationship that I have developed over the years uh, with some dear brothers over in Frankfurt, Germany. And it started, I forget what year it was, uh, but I was routed through Frankfurt. I, I think I was on my way to Ukraine, if I recall correctly, which is ironic these days, <laughs> given what's happened since then. But, um, and I, uh, there was a, a flight delay, cancellation, something. And I was going to be at the uh, Frankfurt airport for quite some time. And so I just, on a lark, uh, somehow I had gotten cell service. Uh, My phone was working or something. And I tweeted, as I recall, um, that I was going to be stuck for a number of hours at the Frankfurt airport. And someone... uh, Private messaged me on Twitter, as I recall. It's amazing that I got it. And it turned out um, there was one of the pastors there in Frankfurt and said, I'm only a matter of minutes from the airport. Would, you know, could I come over and we can have lunch or whatever? And uh, um, I, now let me think about, well, let's go ahead and, and, uh, and bring, uh, Pastor Riemenschneider. <laughs> uh, you've 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 seen you've seen the uh, you, you've seen the, the the really funny videos where they contrast German oh, yes. with all the other beautiful languages, right? You know, like uh, like uh, uh, ambulance and uh, hospital and uh, ballpoint pen, Kugelschreiber, <laughs> and everything else. So. Uh, I want to make sure to to get your last name really Germanish there, so that people know that you're you're the real deal. But um, you, I don't think I don't think you were a part of that first meeting, right? No, no, I right. Wasn't. It was, was just, my co-pastor Peter. Yeah, it was just it was just me and yeah. And, and Peter. Yeah, um, I just couldn't remember because uh, I think that's what led to. The next time that I was coming through town, we scheduled it so that I could uh, actually uh, be with you guys and speak at the church, and we've done dinner and shopping in a little, uh, where, where was, what, what was the little town we went to? Bad Homburg. Okay, uh, and uh, I, still, I still wear the, uh, the uh, turtleneck sweaters uh, that, I, that I bought there, um, amazingly enough. And uh, we've had some really interesting experiences. We've had some interesting people show up to the talks. <laughs> um, and, uh, but uh, uh, really, for a while there, every year, uh, I was visiting you all in Frankfurt up through 2019. And then 2020 happened. And um, I think that's the same year that I started, that you all invited me to start teaching uh, a church history class for you all using the same technology we're using right now. In fact, you're sitting exactly where you always sit um, for the, uh, for the uh, church history class. 
And uh, I do have to apologize. Uh, we've been doing that. I'm not sure how many sessions we've had, uh, but we've been doing that since 2020, and we haven't gotten to the Council of Nicaea yet. Okay, now that's that means, well, we have talked about a few of the things in the process, haven't we? Uh, we, uh, we, we did a little uh, extra sec uh, section on uh, Eastern Orthodoxy uh, because of what was happening with the war in Ukraine and, and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Uh, but so for a while, I was a regular, and I have at least one picture of you translating for me, uh, and I'm wearing a kuji. And uh, I, I sensed a little bit of jealousy, um, you know, maybe, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, Very little bit. <laughs> you, just, you just went up a good bit in Rich's estimation because he was sitting over there going, yeah, very little. Um, but uh, so anyway, obviously, uh, you all have been facing a, um, a higher level of governmental um, influence upon the church and its worship, issues relating to vaccinations and masking and, and all these other things. Um, certainly some places in the United States have had similar situations, but most of us not quite as much. And I think one thing that I've mentioned to a lot of people uh, that people don't know that I learned when I first started coming to Germany uh, and initially, I was going to Berlin and uh, and teaching for the folks there. Um, was the the fact that in uh, in Germany um, you can't homeschool, yeah. right? Yes, it's illegal. Yeah. Right, uh, and one of the one of the major things that's happened here in the United States uh, as a result of the, all the COVID stuff is. The homeschool movement has exploded, absolutely exploded. I mean, right, right near us here, right next door, there is a um, uh, homeschool supply place that has set up, and it's just it's just busy all day long. Um, I've gone in there and gotten stuff for my my grandkids, and and it's just millions and millions of people have realized, wow, this. Uh, this send as Vody Balkan said, uh, if you if you send your children to Caesar all day, don't be surprised when they come home as Romans. And uh, I've just said for a long time that's just meant that my Christian brothers and sisters in Germany have had to do double duty, and they've had to uh, you know be investing their time in communicating Christian worldview issues to their kids after uh, you know the state's been doing its thing. So there's been all sorts of, you guys have really been up against uh, the wall. We've been praying for you. We've talked about it a lot. And, but you guys have decided not to just sit there like bumps on a log. Um, I know that your church is very much involved in doing um, street preaching, street ministry, street proclamation. Uh, just about a month or so ago, I believe you were preaching uh, at a pride event uh, yeah. there in the Frankfurt area. And we were praying for you for that, and evidently you survived. Either that, or you've you've recovered well. Uh, one, one, yes, one. But by God's grace, I'm still here. Yeah, <laughs> but you did you did get some interesting experiences uh, in all of that. But you've also been trying to um, call the evangelical church in Germany, which is a very different thing than saying the evangelical church in the United States. 
Um, I mean, when I was first invited uh, uh, to go over uh, to Berlin, the, the context of that was, this is a secular nation. And in fact, where they were, they were in former East Berlin. So they were on the other side of where the wall had been. And, um, and, and in fact, the first thing I was asked to address was secularism and the relevance of Christian scripture in a secular society and, 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 and things related, related to that. Um, and so for you all to try to get the, cause it's, it's hard for people to understand that there's, there's an evangelical believing church, but we all know that there's, you know, there's been state churches, uh, there's been, you know, German rationalism is, is almost a word that's hissed, uh, over here, you know, German rationalism, you know, tubing in and stuff like that. Uh, so you're, you're facing a, a, a much more of an up, uphill climb, uh, shall we say, uh, than we are here. Uh, but, but tell us some of the things you've been trying to do, because I, I, I want to look at uh, your most recent project here in a moment, uh, but this isn't the first thing you all have, all have done. No, no. Yeah, you're right. So in Germany, you, you have the two state churches, the Roman Catholic Church and the Evangelical Church, which is basically the Lutheran Church. Um, and, and you only have very few really believing, Bible-believing churches. So um, it is an uphill battle, for sure. And um, we have done multiple things. Um, by the grace of God, whatever we could do, we, we tried to do. So we already mentioned street preaching, even at, at, at the gate, gate Pride Parade in, in Frankfurt, uh, where there were thousands of, uh, of people celebrating. And um, we were yeah, right in the middle of it and preaching the Word of God. But we, especially when, when, when COVID came, all the restrictions came, we, we thought we have to address the public. So um, we issued two statements, one uh, in the beginning of 2021 and one um, at the end in, in December 2021. Um, and those were basically, the first one was a response to a, to a statement which was put out by, uh, put forth by, uh, by, by leaders, by 50, more than 50 leaders of evangelical free churches. That's how we call them if it's not this, the state church. Um, and they were basically promoting all the COVID stuff and telling Christians that they should not resist but comply. And we thought it would be necessary to, um, yeah, to give a response, a biblical response to that. And um, and then in, in December 2021, we had the discussion here that um, basically every politician wanted to um, to introduce a a general vaccine mandate for the entire population. Um, and we also um, said, said something about that. Yeah, we issued another statement. Um, and our main goal was to encourage um, faithful believers because they were often left alone, even in their own churches. From, uh, yeah, their own pastors often um, also believed everything, complied with everything. So there were many Christians who just didn't, yeah, needed orientation, and we tried to provide that, that to them. Um, so that's what we did uh, in, two, in 2021. And um, now we are doing the next thing. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, when did you decide you wanted to put uh, this together? I mean, um, uh, yeah. when did you start, start work on this? Yes. So um, 
this this declaration um, we we drafted. Um, it was this was not our initiative, but in March 2021, I was approached by a brother from the UK, and he assembled a group of pastors from basically all over the world: Canadians, uh, Africans, Europeans, and um, he wanted to to yeah uh, uh, he wanted us to, to work together to produce a declaration as a um, as a full response to what happened during COVID. Uh, it, and this was still, you know, it was the peak of COVID, basically, and of the measures. And we got together and uh, started working on this. Um, but after, after, after some time, we realized that not every, everyone was going in the same direction. So a small group split. Um, and, um, that, that was a, um, a pastor from South Africa, um, Paul Hartwick and a, well, an American missionary of 40 years to France, Stephen Lloyd, and myself. And, and the three men, uh, the three brothers, we uh, worked, continued working on this declaration and finalized it a few days ago. And now we are going to publish it today. So uh, there will, is there or will there be very soon a website that people can go to uh, to read and to um, uh, add their name uh, yes. in support. Yes, there is a website. We wanted to launch it tomorrow, but because I'm on the dividing line today, we launched it today. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's frankfurtdeclaration.com. One word, frankfurtdeclaration.com. Well, that's pretty easy to remember. I'm glad that was, uh, that was available, uh, at least until Google finds out what's going on. Um, and uh, then that will send you off to, you know, some website in Swahili someplace. But um, so uh, you have uh, initial signers, uh, people who have read the declaration, are in support of it. Uh, who, are, who are some of the folks other than myself um, that, uh, that are, are signatories to the, uh, to the declaration? Yeah, so I, I was really, it was amazing. I, I had, had never thought that we would get so many good brothers behind it. So um, as initial signers, we have John MacArthur and Phil Johnson, uh, Vonnie Borkham, Joe Boot, Joel Webben, um, Tim Conway. We have Tim Cantrell from South Africa. He also published articles uh, by him. We have Bruce Gore, James Coates and Tim Stevens, two Canadian pastors who, who were in jail because of COVID. We have Jared Longshaw, Ben Merkel, a certain Mr. Jeff Durbin and two other guys named Douglas Wilson and James White. Yeah, I, I think that's you. And, and then other other faithful pastors from uh, from the US and Canada and Africa and the UK and Europe and Australia. Um, but, but those names I just mentioned are probably the, the best known names. And I, I think I think you might even have the troublemaker from Texas. Oh yes. Oh yeah. We, we have him. There. We have him too. Is it allowed to say his <laughs> name? Or... <laughs> I understand. Um, so uh, that's a that's a really good start. That's that's a wide uh, variety of, of folks, and uh, I think that's that that's really excellent. Um, let's let's let folks know a little bit uh, about it. So I mm-hmm. have I have it. On, it's not it's not something that takes you forty five minutes to read. Um, it I think it's only three pages um, on 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 my. Uh, thing. Yeah, well, four pages, uh, oh, four on, pages. On, mm-hmm. on my screen. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to 
scroll back to the start here, and it wants to keep uh, popping around here a little bit on me. But uh, you have an opening uh, section uh, that gives some of the, the background. A few concerned pastors from different continents moved by an emergent totalitarianism of the state over all realms of society, in particular the church, and this disregard of God-given and constitutionally guaranteed rights during the COVID crisis joined in common cause to craft a solemn declaration which seeks to address these threats with the timeless truths of God's word. And so um, I've, I've just found, sadly, uh, that there are a lot of Christians who are just unwilling to uh, really believe that there's anybody really in the world that wants totalitarianism. And I'm not sure how they can, you know, maybe they're living in a lead mine. Maybe they, uh, I, I don't know, uh, they only get newspapers that were, that were printed 30 years ago. I don't know, but it's just so plain and obvious. And yet, when COVID started, that was considered almost radical uh, to even think that something like this is coming. And yet, um, you've crafted this statement in the form as as often it, it is in the form of affirmations and uh, denials, which is yeah. which is very helpful. But I understand how difficult it is to get uh, even a, a group of reform people on the same page uh, when you're when you're using language uh, and, and and to do this type of thing. So that is a that is a real challenge, and I, I congratulate you on being able to uh, to to get through all of that. Um, so the first article, yeah. God, the creator as sovereign lawgiver and judge. Um, every time that I scroll to that, it does something wacky and crazy to me. So I'm going to have to, uh, uh, there we go. Uh, do something different to try to get to show up. So you start, <laughs> well, it's now zoom down to uh, something a little bit on the small side. Uh, there we go. Uh, God the creator is sovereign lawgiver and judge, so you have to start at the only place you can start, and that is the, the triune God. Yes. You know, it, it was important for us to, um, well, to, to, to talk about what is the foundation of everything. The foundation of everything is that there is a God, a personal creator who created everything, and who, not, who did not just create everything, but who is also the, the lawgiver, who also, um, you know, who also established uh, an unchangeable morality, um, which is rooted in his own character and which applies to to every man at, uh, in, in, at all times, and um, and and he will judge according to that. And so I think that 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 was the necessary foundation, um, because with with state totalitarianism, that's exactly what the state believe uh, believes he now is. The state now is. Yes. Um, yeah. If you don't believe there is a God above you. Um, then the state is the most powerful thing on earth. So uh, yeah. the state begins to think that it is it, it itself is it's God, and it is it, that it is the ultimate lawgiver and the ultimate judge. Um, the yes, government, as yeah, as the Beatles sang, uh, if if only sky above, there there isn't there isn't much to take the place uh, of what of mm-hmm. the vacuum that that leads. And I I'm looking at it here, and it and in the. I mean, you have the affirmations and the denials. The affirmation, uh, of course, I, I love the the citation of Acts seventeen thirty one. 
As the lawgiver God has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, I have, um, I've commented a number of times over the past about year and a half about how that text just slapped me upside the head while driving. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, it was only about a year ago now I think about it. Um, I had always misunderstood it. I, when, it, when it talked about, and he has given evidence to everyone by raising him from the dead, as an apologist, I just automatically thought of evidence of the resurrection, of the person of Christ, so on and so forth. Actually, what it's saying is the resurrection is evidence of the fact that he will judge the living and the dead by this one yes. whom he has appointed. The resurrection is proof of something else. And we normally don't think of that. We're always thinking of the resurrection as the ultimate thing you're trying to prove. But here, the resurrection is proof of the fact there is a day of judgment. And if anything uh, helped to hold Western society in check, in the main, not always, as we know in World War II, there was a situation where it didn't hold people in check. Um, But in the main, it has been the reality of the fact that there is a day of judgment and that we as God's creatures will face that judgment. Um, that is, having lost that is, I think, one of the greatest, that, that, that losing that break, that, that thing holding things back, that is what has allowed for just an incredible acceleration uh, in the inevitable results of what secularism is all about to begin with. So um, you have to start there, and I think that's, that's excellent. Um, but we're also being a prophetic voice here. You, there is a function of the church to say to the magistrate, you will be judged someday. And there is a standard beyond you that you cannot change and you cannot legislate away. Um, I'm sure this is common, more common in Germany, so much so that it, it wouldn't even cause comment on people. But last year, one of the leftist uh, House of Representative members, after a Christian member of Congress brought God's law to bear on a moral issue, his response was, God has nothing to do with this uh, assembly. And I just think back to the founding documents of our nation, and it's like, there's your revolution right there. I mean, I mean, th- th- there it is in stark contrast. So the positive statement to the, to the state, there will be judgment. And then how dare you say this? Uh, we also have good grounds to question the modern state's ethical pronouncements and moral vision since their secular humanism and relativistic ethics have no transcendent basis for human behavior or morality. You do realize this is not going to go over real well in France, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I do. I do realize that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it just yeah. seems in France, um, secular means good. Secular means moral. Secular means upright. And um, I'm, I'm doing a lot of, you know, I just did a, a thing with uh, Jason Lyle up in, in Denver, and it was all about secularism as the greatest enemy that the, that the cross has ever faced. And people think that's an overstatement. Well, that's, they haven't done enough reading in history, and they may end up living through history uh, one way or the other. But, yeah, um, you're, you're directly... Telling folks, you, we, we question your ethical pronouncements because your, moral, your, your secular humanism does not provide a transcendent basis for human behavior and morality. That's pretty radical. 
<laughs> yeah, pro probably. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think it's true. Um, oh yes. Yeah, you know, it's it's only based on 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 man's imaginations, on man's thought, and um, yeah, I, I, I mean, you just said that. Yeah, we can see with our own eyes where this leads to. And uh, in Germany, that it would be the same uh, as in France. P people also believe that secularism is a great thing, and that it would even be a threat to to their freedoms if um, if God's law came to bear and if the church had to to say anything about morality, which would be of any relevance to the to politics. Um, yeah, but I think you, you can. And, and you mentioned that already. Uh, the World War Two and um, and the Nazi regime. Um, uh, you, you know, we hope we had learned something from that, but um seems we didn't. Well, it, it you know, okay, that was 70 years ago. I would think yeah. we would have learned from the fall of the wall and yes. the Soviet empire and the millions of people who died. And, of course, you've probably heard the, the example I use. Um, have you ever, I don't know if I've ever asked you this, have you ever toured the Stasi prison? No, I didn't. See, I have. That, that, yeah. that, that's interesting because um, Christian Andersen took me to the, the, the Stasi prison there in former East Berlin, and I, I was changed by that. I mean, to walk through those hallways, to still see the, the traffic lights they used to make sure that the only two human beings you ever saw in your life was your quote-unquote counselor, who was a brain, person trained to brainwash you and break you down, and one guard. Because they realized that if you could see another suffering human being who was suffering what you were, for even a second, if your eyes would meet, it could undo a month's worth of what they were doing to you. And so they had these, you were totally isolated. And, and, and you would never run into anybody else because they, the, those lights that they used were still, were still there. And so, I mean, it's right there. It's, it, you know, people can go see it. There were, there were school children being taken through that stuff when I was there that day. But that was, it, it's almost like as, if it was more than 10 years ago, it's ancient history now. We don't, we don't even think about it. And if we can see 120 million people killed by Stalin and Mao uh, in the last century, and we now have people running around our college campuses going, but we never really did it right. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just left going, wow, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what to say to our, to our society today. But we, we're going to go forever if I, don't, if I don't pick the pace here. So Article 2, God as the source of truth and the role of science. Uh, aren't, well, aren't you a science denier? Well, no, <laughs> we, we are not. Um, the first, the first paragraphs are our affirmations. We, we affirm science, so we, we say God is the truth, and He has, um, and, and we can. So, so objective truth exists, and we can seek to discover these these truths which God has has laid into nature, into creation. Right. So, we, we we believe in science. We endorse science, but um, science which really uses the scientific method. And which uses debate, and what we've seen um, over the last two two and a half years, well, also before that, but especially during COVID, um, th th that did not happen. It was just said, well, this is the scientific consensus. You have to believe it. If everyone, anyone questions it, no matter how 
you know, how, how good his reputation is in, in this field as an expert or so, no matter how good his data is, we will just silence him. So um, we believe in science, but in science that actually uses the scientific method and scientific debate. Right. So the term you use here is uh, we, we further, so in the rejection section, we further reject the assertions of any so-called scientific consensus which abandons the scientific method and ignores and suppresses the concerns of dissonant voices. We likewise reject scientism since even when scientific findings correctly describe a particular phenomenon, they cannot adequately and normatively address complex social realities or prescribe policies that have ethical implications. Um, I remember I asked you when I first read this, I was like, that's fantastic. Who translated this into English? And you said, Actually, it was written in English. <laughs> so, so have you done the translation to German then? Yes, I did. Yeah, so that would... It, what is... Is there a specific German word for scientism? It, it's basically the same, scientismus. So it's okay. basically the same. Yeah. Right, okay. So, but it does communicate to folks the idea of the elevation of scientific conclusion to an ultimate authority and almost a... I don't know, it really is a, a religious uh, type of, of characteristic to it. It really is. Yes, a, a experts become, become priests, basically. Yes. Um, and, you know, when we were drafting this, this um, declaration, it was interesting. I, I stumbled about, uh, upon an, a quote by C.S. Lewis from 1958. 1958. And, and he said everything which we saw in the last two years. So that... Um, that uh, the state, in order to to be able to tell us what to do, he needs to back that up somehow, and he uses experts. Yeah, he, um, when we saw that uh, during COVID, there's most most countries, I guess, at least in the US and in Germany, there was one expert. Yeah, it was Fauci in, in your country and Drosten in my country. There's one expert, expert, one virologist or so, and he just tells you what to do to um, to fight the virus. And, and then it's done. And you, they don't really care about all the other aspects, all the other implications that will have to, to, to the entire life of men. So, um, yeah, I found it was interesting to see that C.S. Lewis uh, saw that coming uh, many, many decades ago. Yes, he, he did. A number of other people did. And it is a function of our own uh, failed Western educational system that we have people now who have advanced degrees but they are so specialized that they can have an advanced degree in one area and be worse than a child in a related area. Exactly. Uh, but because they have the advanced degrees, they're given authority in all areas. Uh, it, yeah. is, it is where our educational system has truly failed in the West um, to produce the historic Renaissance man who not only had knowledge in one area, but recognized how that knowledge was relevant in others including morals and ethics and, and everything that goes, that goes with that. So no, no two questions, no, no two ways about it. So Article 3, mankind is the image of God. Now, again, very uh, much uh, marking you out as, as going against the, the flow in our society today. But again, you can't avoid the fact that the imago dei uh, is fundamental here. And once you don't have the imago dei, then you can treat man as the proverbial bag of fizzing chemicals. Um, he is just simply something that is there to serve the state. Um, and all of the moral and ethical uh, catastrophes that we are very concerned about 
um, in in the f- near future uh, flow from that, and so the a totalitarian regime has to dehumanize mankind. If you're going to, for example, many of these people want to see a vastly reduced human population on on the on the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to get rid of four billion people. Um, <laughs> You, you can't do that if they're image bearers of God. Uh, you, you, have to, you have to come up with something, something else. So on the positive side, we have a biblical presentation. You also included um, uh, person-to-person relationships, vocational employments, um, important events of human life, comforting the sick and dying. Obviously, you know, how many people were... Uh, I, I, I can't tell you how many people that I know in my own family and, and church... Uh, who died alone, uh, I think, who were fundamentally killed because of the uh, demand that the the hospitals only do things one way, and uh, that led, I think, to a lot of premature deaths. But anyways, Mm -hmm. uh, marrying, fellowshipping, so on and so forth. Um, And you say, we also affirm the government should recognize each individual is responsible for their own bodily well-being and should protect the right to personal medical self-determination, which I would assume... Um, let's be honest, um, you, you know who uh, Jokovic is, the, the tennis player, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And he wasn't allowed to play in the U.S. Open. Uh, he's really the best tennis player in the world right now, um, and he could get the record if he, could, if he would be allowed to play in the various places, but we didn't let him in. Be- and the, the whole reason for that uh, is because if you look at the uh, U.S. Open right now, if you look at the side, the advertising boards along the the, uh, the court, guess what one of the uh, sponsors is? Moderna. Oh wow! So they're they're sponsored by by big pharma, and so here's a guy. He's had COVID. He's recovered. Every study that we're coming up with these days says the same thing. He's in better shape than anybody who got vaxxed. He's mm-hmm. he's he's facing far fewer complications from COVID than anybody who got vaxxed. And he has less chance of getting it than anybody who got vaxxed. But we still won't let him in unless he gets vaxxed. So we, yeah. the, the, the studies are overwhelming. The, the facts are overwhelming. Um, and yet you and I both know um, there's going to be people banging the drum for uh, mandated vaccines, whether they're new ones. Well, in fact, uh, they're putting out new ones for the Omicron and our, my government, anyways, is allowing them to do it by skipping human testing. Wow. Yeah. They're just, they're just wow. skipping it. it does, they didn't even bother anymore uh, because once they did the document dumps that showed all the adverse reactions from the original tests, but they were still okayed, then who cares? Everybody knows that's exactly what's going on. So here's the situation we're facing. And so the idea of personal medical self-determination, hey, those of us who refused it, are in much better shape right now than those who didn't. And I think they're scared to death that people are going to grab hold of that and go, yeah, I'm not, gonna, I'm not ever going to go that direction again. But uh, anyways, what basis does anyone have outside of recognizing the inherent worth of man creating the image of God to resist the totalitarian impulse at this point? There really isn't a, a strong basis for doing so. 
Exactly. And, you know, sadly, not, not even the churches in Germany understand that anymore because the, the Lutheran state church, the evangelical state church, they even, um, you know, they even had, um, um, you know, they, they had, yeah, it was uh, vaccinate your neighbor as yourself. So that's what, <laughs> what they were going with. Yeah. Um, it is, yeah. I believe that is blasphemy. (laughs) Vaccinate your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Uh, Okay. All right. But you also touched on other stuff that um, some people don't know much about. You mentioned Mm -hmm. something that uh, I know was new to me only a couple years ago. Global trends toward transhumanism and technological surveillance, control over human beings. Um, We also oppose these things. That is, um, that to me is what makes the situation we face now so unique and so challenging is that we are the first generation in the church to face the technological reality of pretty much 100% uh, governmental observation of location and activity of all of its citizens. And that, that to me is, um, uh, you know, I, I know that a culture built upon rebellion against God cannot last. But I just have to wonder how long this insanity will be extended because of the utilization of technology. That to me is really one of the questions that has to be addressed. But transhumanism, genetic engineering, um, these horrific things, they are uh, best responded to by the Christian worldview that created Western society in the first place. I I cannot see how uh, liberal Christianity, um, any type of progressivism, can provide any kind of consistent and meaningful response at all. They will probably embrace that. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, I, I probably had that in the U.S. as well, but in, in Germany and in Europe, there were people who were getting uh, chips implanted in their hand as, as a vaccine passport. And um, and our government even developed um, a, an app and, and wanted, it was not a law, but they wanted everyone to have that app on your smartphone. And this app would track if you uh, if you get close to another one, who also is another man who also has has the the app, and they could, would then send information if if one of the, those guys probably um, was infected or so that they could basically track down um, to, to whom you came close. Right. Yeah. And um, th- that's really going very far. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's China. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. China's behind so much of this, um, and uh, again. Uh, we can, we can look at this and we can either get really, really, really depressed and concerned or we can do what I'm trying to sort of teach myself to do and say, okay, let's say the West has run its course, we've sinned, we have spit in God's face, and China is in the ascension. Um, there's a Chinese church and God can change China. And so let's pray that the Chinese church will become strong and sound and grow and China becomes a light to the world and starts sending missionaries to the decadent, crumbling West 
um, and that we learn what we did wrong, how we sinned against our patrimony and our and our uh, blessings that were given to us. Uh, that's that's how I I'm trying to look at it right now because it's just so easy to see what China is doing to recognize how how people in my own country have sold out to the Chinese for a, a few a few bucks. Um, the 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 treason's astonishing, um, and just get like, well, it's done. It's it you know. And then, then I go, wait a minute, you silly Calvinist you. Um, you, you don't think God can, can, cannot bring revival, uh, and a, and a massive great awakening, um, in a place that's never really experienced that before? You don't, you don't think that's a, you don't think these people are sick and tired of the emptiness of secularism as well? Um, so yeah, I keep trying to tell myself, uh, along those lines, but, I'm still trying to get rid of some of the um, uh, eschatology of my youth, <laughs> which yeah. is that that and the yeah. fact that I'm Scottish. So it's just sort of you know, uh, it's always raining and dreary in Scotland. So we tend to be rainy and dreary ourselves. So uh, but, sort but, of but works that also, way. That's also why we drafted the declaration because we do have hope. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. We have to have have to have that hope. Okay. Article four: God-given mandates and limits of authority. Uh, now you're getting really uh, radical here, you know. Um, now you've got a deal, and this, I don't, I haven't talked to you about this, but something tells me this was part of where challenges were to get everybody to go in the same direction. Because um, this is certainly where we found, you know, like when I preached on uh, Romans um, and its discussion of, of governmental authority and stuff like that. This is where I got a lot of pushback um, from from folks in the United States during you know 2021 yeah. and things like that. Um, and you you have to be careful because if you want this to have validity and usefulness across cultural boundaries, you can't get overly specific in regards mm-hmm. to United States, Germany, South Africa, wherever people are. That's that's a challenge as well. Um, and so you recognize delegated authority, civil government. Um, you're you're uh, you're not, you know. You recognize that Luther, the Luther's greatest fear was anarchy, uh, that everything was just going to come flying apart, and uh, uh, that's why he took all the stances that he did. But then you also uh, give recognition to the authority of the family, which yes. really, um, I would think, especially. Uh, in Germany, you know, like I said, with the with the uh, homeschooling stuff and stuff like that, that's a that's more of an issue than. I mean, it's happening here in the United States as well, uh, but uh, that's a that's a really big issue uh, there. So uh, limits of authority. Uh, uh, you 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 talk about totalitarianism, statism, um, and the simple recognition that if you just put a bunch of people together, all you're doing is you're 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 putting a bunch of sinners, uh, and you're 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 multiplying the effect of their rebellion when you give them ultimate uh, power. Yes, right. So and, and you're, so in, in the group who drafted this, um, it, it was really you know um, I really believe that that God was with us because uh, there were no no discussions. So we are really on on uh, we agreed basically on everything. Um, but it is still difficult to put it um, into the right words, and I hope uh, we 
we we did that. Um, but but the, the thing which is really, you know, what we saw in Germany and I guess in many other countries is that even most Christians believe that the state has much more power than the Bible actually grants to it. So if you look at what, what the Bible actually says, what, what the authority of the state is, it is quite limited. And um, But what we are in our thinking... Um, we also be, we, we are statists, yeah. We believe the state is so big and so powerful, and uh, and it can basically tell us almost everything. Um, but that's not what the Bible says, and I think it's important to strengthen the other spheres of, of authority, and especially the family. Um, and you know, we we see it happening. You know, while we were writing this um, this declaration, homeschooling was made illegal in France, so it's. Um, it's, mm. it's becoming really difficult in, in, in Europe. It, it, it has been illegal in Germany almost forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's getting worse. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah. I had heard about a move to do that in France. I didn't know that it actually happened. Uh, that's, a, that's a shame. Um, Article 5, Christ is the head of the church. You would think this would not be uh, a, um, you know, any, any area of disputation, but as you just said, uh, many of our people come through the doors of the church, and they are they are statists. They that's what they've been taught. That's what they are comfortable with. Uh, and so we did see during 2020 uh, a lot of this um, uh, idea of a granting to the the state a uh, coercive uh, and invasive power to tell us how we can worship when we can have the Lord's Supper. Um, you know, all that type of stuff. And, and of course, you all were under much more pressure than we were along those lines, at least in my state. Um, my church never closed down. We never missed the Lord's Supper. Um, but we were one of a handful of, uh, of churches in, in our area that um, took that stance at that time and didn't have to really pay anything other than being looked at strangely by everybody who did shut down and and was saying, well, you just you know you're just loving your neighbor and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, that's that that's where it is. And now we have. Uh, then you went and man, you just really want to make sure that everybody dislikes you. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like you listen to the dividing line or something. Lastly, we resist <laughs> the trend of digital platforms in Christian worship and ministry to become substitutes for congregational and in-person ministry, which are essential to our faith. What you, you don't you don't think that, you, that doing the Lord's Supper over Zoom uh, has quite the same impact as uh, in person? You know, sadly, there are people who think it does, but uh, <laughs> no. Um, you know, many, many believe that is a great step forward. Now we can all have to, uh, have our church service and everything, um, and we don't even have to leave our our home. So um, many people embraced that and thought that that was great. Um, and, and, and there were people who believed you can have the Lord's Supper um, on the screen somehow. Yeah, So yeah. Um, we thought that was an important point to make. Well, you mm. know, I, I've, I forget who I heard it from, but it's, it's always easy to say, I love the brethren from the uh, comfort of your recliner. It's when mm. you actually have to live with them and uh, deal with them and uh, do life together. Uh, was ist gemeinsames Leben? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, that's um, that's when it gets much more challenging, and it, and it becomes a, a little bit more in the way of, of true love. So you finished yes. with a call for respect, repentance, and 
this this is this may not end up going on YouTube. Resistance. Um, oh, yes. Wow. Uh, and there you are quoting from Daniel. Now come on. <laughs> yeah, we think we, there are some parallels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are. Yes, we there there definitely there definitely are. Um, so, uh, how would you how would you summarize what you're what you're calling for uh, at the end of the uh, of the of the document? Yeah, so we are basically calling on the the authorities. Um, well, we we express our gratitude to those authorities who respected um, their their sphere of authority. And um, and who did not usurp other authorities, and um, so we command them, but we also call those to repentance who did not, and um, and remind them that there is a judge, and that will they that they will stand before God one day and have to, to give accountants for what they did, um, and, and and we tell them that we will not comply if they if they uh, demand anything from us from us which would require us to sin, which would be against the commandments of God. Um, we, we will and cannot comply, and um, and and then and then in, in, in the last paragraph we we turn um, we turn to our brothers and sisters. So the first paragraph addresses the state, the authorities, and then we turn to our brothers and sisters, and um, we want to encourage them to be strong and faithful, uh, even, even if that uh, even if that results in, in persecution, as we have seen in Canada, for example, and then also right. also in Germany and other countries. Um, and, um, and and to stand together, you know, to stand firm together, to support each other, to pray for each other. Um, we believe that that is uh, important. And, and, and at the very end, we ask, you know, we address our brothers and sisters who have lived under these conditions, yeah, who have lived under persecution and so on. Uh, we ask them to pray for us because this is a new situation for us here in the right. Western world. So... Um, we especially ask them to pray for us that God will also grant us the strength to be faithful as he, as he did to, uh, to them. Yeah, uh, there certainly have been many uh, brothers and sisters are in North Korea, China, um, certain Islamic nations that um, we do need their prayers because they, they know how to pray better because they've experienced these things already. So, yeah. Um, so the uh, the website again is frankfurtdeclaration.com. Yeah. And so if someone goes there, they're going to see the art, you know, obviously it's going to be downloadable, I would assume. And then there's yes. a place where you can um, you can add your it. name. How how do you how do you do that? Oh, there are there are many places all around the website where you can uh, just click sign now and then um, and then you just have to, to enter your first and last name, email address, and city and st- city and country, and um, yeah, then you just submit it, and you have signed the declaration. And and that will be used against you in a court of law uh, in the it, future, it, I'm it, sure. It, it surely will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's yes. no two ways about it. Um, yeah. Hopefully, you didn't use any of the. I'm so old. I remember when the when the internet first started, and we had this. Uh, uh, net387.texas.net I think was our was our our URL back then and mm. the big thing back then was flashing flashing lights and 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 buttons that that you know on and off on. sign here sign here. yeah <laughs> no you know the website was designed yeah 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 your visitor number 2000 yay you know oh yeah it was you know, <laughs> right. oh man yeah, no. 
the website was designed by three brothers from your church, from Apologia Church. Yes. And they did a great job. It's, yes, it's, well, excellent. I, I love That's... it. It's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it is it is amazing how the Lord hooks us all together. And uh, so once again, um, our sincere uh, thanks for the work that that went into this. Um, uh, I've I'm one of the initial signers. Um, I, I want to keep this in front of people's uh, minds. And and um, if you're on social media, uh, share the link with with other folks. Uh, post it on on Twitter, Facebook. Ah, if you get banned, you get banned. Um, uh, they, they're probably not up to speed on it yet, so you'll probably be all right for now anyways. But uh, let others know about it. Let's, let's, let's make it more than just the, the small remnant uh, that uh, says, yes, this is what we believe, because this is a statement to the, uh, the, the, the rulers and authorities this is the church prophetically speaking about what is true, what is right, what is honest. Um, and so let's get it out there. And uh, 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 Tobias, we, uh, we know that you all are going to be facing a long winter uh, there in, uh, in Germany. It is major yeah. news here in the United States. Um, I saw numerous uh, repetitions of the graph showing the price per kilowatt hour of electricity yeah. in, in Germany. And uh, so you all are going to have your, your hands um, uh, filled with uh, seeking to minister to others. I'm sure you're all probably thinking about what can we do as a church to try yes. to reach out to people, um, make sure that people have the necessities they have. Um, I, and I think you probably feel the same way. We're, we're not done with the oppressive uh totalitarian movement they're just retooling right now uh yeah, i'll be actually, honest with you i th i think much of it is due to the midterm elections in the united states they got to keep the u.s going uh the right direction and so they're backing off hoping that people's memories will fade enough that they can fool them into uh voting for the wrong people again um and then once that's done, um, I think we're going to see more and more heading our direction. And uh, what you all have done here is provide us all with a, an excellent statement that we can stand uh, together on. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so you all uh, know uh, more than our audience does, uh, but you all know how much your fellowship means to me. And uh, so we will um, pray for you all that you will... Be given an extraordinary uh, amount of strength and grace. And as I've said to you all, um, unity amongst yourselves. That's the greatest, um, greatest uh, tool that the enemy has to, uh, is to cause division. And uh, so pray that you all will have a great love for one another. Uh, that's what we all need. Um, but especially in this situation, uh, it's, you know, uh, you mentioned Tim Cantrell down in, in, in South Africa. You know, how many times I've, I've preached from the pulpit there, preached with you all, um, preached with brothers in, in the United Kingdom, in Australia. And uh, we may not see each other in the flesh again, but uh, the unity that is ours is something that, that transcends uh, that uh, aspect anyways. And so uh, yes. we, again, thank you for this hard work and thank you for this and uh, pray that uh, the Lord will be blessed uh, uh, and honored in uh, what you all do there in his name there in Frankfurt. 
Yes, thank you so much. And I appreciate your prayers because also the COVID measures are not done with in Germany. They continue in Germany and they already said they will be, um, there will be new measures again in, in the winter. So we, we are having lots of problems here. So we appreciate your prayers and appreciate your love. And, um, just want to let you know that, that we are fully supporting you. And, um, you know, I started watching the dividing line many years ago and it's such a great blessing, continues to be a great blessing. So um, thank you for everything, and um, we'll also continue to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you very much, brother. And uh, uh, we will see you for the next uh, church history class, whenever that is. Uh, yes. We're going we're gonna to get to the Council of Nicaea before uh, the end uh, of time. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let's see about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love you, brother. Thank you very much. God bless you. Love you. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. Thank you. God bless. All right, that's excellent. Uh, Rich is going to do whatever Rich has to do over there, and uh, uh, I will contact uh, Tobias later on and thank him for spending, I had said 20 minutes to half an hour, it was an hour, uh, so there we go. That's just, that's pretty much what you would expect. Um, that, that's how things go, uh, and I, I should have recognized that. Um, all right, so... Since, as I mentioned, um, we are uncertain. And by the way, I want to mention to everyone, this is a fresh, <laughs> just made uh, in the other room uh, a drink of electrolytes and fizzy water and stuff like that. It does not taste weird at all. <laughs> um, and I just want everybody to know that I suffered no ill effects that I was aware of, <laughs> anyways, from the month-old stuff that I drank on the last program. Why men die before women. Yeah, why men die before women, right? Sorry. Um, and I, I think that uh, since the last program, yeah, I was on CrossPolitik uh, with the guys, and uh, I honestly think if you look, if you listen to the dialogue Rhett had with Chocolate Knox, if you listen to what Jeff Wright did uh, with Chocolate Knox and listen to our cross-politic thing, I don't know that there's anything more to be said. Um, I, I think that that subject has been, has been covered, and um, I am thankful that we were able to demonstrate once again, and this, this frustrates certain people, and that's fine. You go ahead and be frustrated. I don't care. Um, but we were able to demonstrate that you can have sincere disagreements and not um, have to uh, go nuclear, shall we say. Um, and there was a real disagreement, and uh, yet we had the opportunity of addressing it and addressing it properly, I think. Uh, in that context, and so I, I hope everyone uh, found that useful. I'm going to close the document there and um, move a few other things over uh, for utilization as we get to them. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we are uncertain of what the rest of this week is going to look like um, as far as the dividing line is concerned. I have a feeling that if we do get to, to do it, it will probably be late in the evening. Would that be a 
Maybe I could run it from down there. I'll just sit there. And yeah, I don't think I don't think that would work real well. Um, um, but it, it's all it's all Rich's fault, uh, by the way. Just so you know, uh, it, it has nothing to do with me at all. Um, but we will we will see if uh, Rich's uh, schedule uh, is going to allow him to uh, be able to uh, do stuff with us or not. So, in light of the possibility. Then I'm. We're going to be going long today. We've done an hour, um, and we're going to continue on. And uh, I, I sort of need to. I think it's important. Um, yesterday, um, I was informed uh, by someone from the seminary uh, about an article that appeared on the Credo Magazine website. Now, the Credo Magazine. Uh, is edited by Dr. Barrett and therefore has become the uh, primary force pushing uh, the so-called great tradition uh, resourcement movement, Thomas Aquinas, um, uh, Thomistic metaphysics, um, and a particularly extremely narrow reading of uh, classical theism everybody's classical theist almost, uh, who's in any way, shape, or form uh, orthodox, but from this, this group is now uh, narrowing that down uh, to a much finer point, shall we say. And Credo Magazine, uh, in fact, I haven't even finished responding to that one article in Credo Magazine. I've dealt with a lot of it, but still want to get to it eventually because it's worthwhile doing. Um. But I was informed of an article that appeared on the 11th, so it was a while back, and no one had mentioned it to me, uh, so I did not see it. I don't read Credo Magazine. And um, it was written uh, by Dr. Craig A. Carter. Anyone who has watched the program knows that I have uh, engaged many of Dr. Carter's statements. I have, uh, in fact, one of the programs that, it was about a 90-minute program on exegesis and great tradition, things like that. We, we put uh, quotations from Dr. Carter's book uh, up on the screen. We engaged these issues. Uh, I saw someone say this morning, and I didn't, I didn't see a response. Did, did he say, I've not read his, uh, his book? Um, I, it, was in, it was in our chat thing, and I didn't. I, I, I think uh, the person... May, may have referring to somebody else? Okay. Um, in any case, um, I have often commented that uh, in reading Dr. Car- uh, Carter's tweets that on any other issue, we seem to be like peas in a pod. We, have, we make the exact same comments about what's going on in the world, uh, politics, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, I imagine we'd, we'd get along just, just great and we'd be able to argue about this one particular narrow area, uh, but it's, it's still important. And so what you do when you uh, disagree with someone that you believe is a fellow Christian, fellow Christian scholar, fellow Christian Baptist minister, is uh, you be careful about what you say, even when you're in disagreement. And so uh, you will notice how often we will put people's uh, comments, their published works, uh, 
what they, you know, they, they typed it out <laughs> uh, with their own fingers, and we will put up on the screen here or in the other room when we're in the other uh, place, other uh, studio. And for uh, over three decades, uh, well, sorry, coming up on four decades, uh, next year, we have demonstrated over and over and over again a consistency in insisting upon accurate representation even of people that you don't consider to be Christians. And so we have taken heat for many years for not using a lot of the argumentation, for example, that was real popular against Mormonism back in the day. You, you want your argumentation to be uh, solid and to be able to be examined by the best the other side has uh, to offer. And we function on the idea that um, if you follow him who is the truth, that you need to be truthful. Doesn't mean we haven't made mistakes. Doesn't mean that I couldn't misunderstand somebody. But you make the effort. You document things. You uh, provide uh, references. Um, you know, uh, so that even so, if you do make a mistake, you at least know what caused the mistake, and you are seeking uh, to honor the truth. And I had not seen any response by Dr. Carter to anything that we have said. Uh, since I probably mentioned Dr. Carter first, I would assume in January of this year, might have been December, but at least in January of this year, we um, started to uh, uh, engage with his works because they were being referenced by everyone. Everyone in the movement would always point to his material on, you know, interpreting scripture in light of the great tradition and and things like that. And so, instead of just simply taking what other people were saying, um, you buy the books or you get them on, you know, I don't remember what format it was. I don't know, remember if it was in Audible or not. Uh, but if you buy it in Kindle, you convert to MP3, uh, you listen. That's how I do things given I travel. And so I have hours and hours and hours uh, in, in the truck um, to listen to things and, and so on and so forth. And so we did. And I have been very respectful of Dr. Carter. Um, I have simply said I, I have serious problems with this idea and what it will inevitably, what it inevitably must lead to epistemologically and historically and theologically and things like that. So I get this link to this article and I start looking through it and I have the article here in front of me. It's, it's not overly long. It is a, it, it's titled the great tradition retrieval project, correcting a few misunderstandings. Again, it was published on uh, this actually comes from Dr. Carter's uh, Substack page, but it was published on the credo magazine website on August 11th, 2022. So 19 days ago, and I was, uh, I saw the reason that it was sent to me uh, was because of the fact that I am referenced uh, in, toward the end of the article, and he's talking about people, uh, he's moving into the theological realm, 
and he's talking about uh, the abandonment of Thomas Aquinas's uh, influence, and so you ended up uh, you end up with people like uh, John Frame and Bruce Ware. Um, so he says one of the alarm bells that went off in the late 20th century was the tendency of theologians such as John Frame and Bruce Ware to accept modifications to classical theism as they sought to refute open theism. Um, in fact, the very term classical theism came into common parlance in the early 20th century in order to distinguish the innovations of process theism from traditional theism. Well, that seems to be the consensus understanding of where that particular uh, phraseology uh, came from. Then we have a sentence that demonstrates that there was never any editing <laughs> of this article. Christianity always has been a theistic religion. Theism has been taught in Scripture, the Fathers, the Medieval Period, and Protestant Scholastics. Really? See, this is, this is, this is why you need editors. <laughs> because the editor is going to mark that sentence and go, that is the biggest waste of bit space that I could ever imagine. Christianity has always been a theistic religion. Yep, it's never been an atheistic religion. <laughs> Could have skipped that one, you know? Um, this is why Google needs to have so much uh, room to store things is because of sentences like that. Anyway, uh, goes on to talk about, uh, for example, R.T. Mullins, who uh, denies God's timelessness uh, and things like that. Um, and then in the 20th century, evangelical theologians, now there's a bunch of stuff that I want to deal with at the beginning of this, but I'm not sure I'm going to get to it today. We'll see. Uh, you know, it's a lot of the same stuff that was in the article earlier, so we'll, we'll, we'll see if it's, if it's worth doing so. But the point is, I read the whole article. And I am convinced that um, I have read... But that by writing, the, I'm sorry, the, by reading this one article, I have now read far more, because I've, I've read his books too, but just reading this one article, I've read far more by Craig Carter than he's ever read by me. I spent more time reading this article than time he has ever spent in listening to anything said by me. I'm convinced that what has happened, what happened yesterday was Dr. Carter made certain outlandish accusations against me without completely and totally on the basis of secondhand information. He did not do what any scholar should do, and that is study. Make sure of your sources. Make sure of the accuracy of your statements. And I think once I challenged him, because he said, you teach this and you teach that, and I go, show me where. And he blocked me and then started attacking me. That's the reaction of someone who realizes I can't show him where because I don't have any idea what he actually believed. I have no clue. And I'm not going to invest the time. to. I have been told this by other people. I trusted them. Now this guy is pushing back, and so I'm just going to go nuclear. That's not how you should respond to things, but it's a, it's a common way that people do respond to things. When they've made the error... Um, of, of going on secondary information. Um, and so my, my hope and prayer, honestly, is that um, someday uh, Dr. Carter is going to contact me and 
conversation is going to be somewhere along the lines of, you're right, um, I did not check my sources, I believed what I was told, I was misled, I apologize, uh, please forgive me. And I will be more than happy to extend that forgiveness uh, because um, I'm sure that Dr. Carter is a good Christian man um, and despite the things that he says about me, despite the fact that he's warning people about me now, trying to cancel me, he's attacking me, and he will be held accountable for those things. Don't, don't get me wrong. My, my willingness to say I gladly extend forgiveness does not change the fact that he will be accountable for the results of his slanderous misrepresentations. We all are. Okay, that's, that's, that's why we need the blood of Christ, uh, is because when we make errors like that, um, we, we, need, we need forgiveness. So that's, that's my hope, is that's what's going to come. Um, so uh, here's, there, there were a number of, uh, again, this is a credo thing, and what Credo does is they will, uh, they have these call-outs. I'm not sure what the technical term is, but it's, it's where, uh, you know, the click to tweet. So this is the stuff that they want you getting, and they want you to promote to other people. So click to tweet. All modifications of or departures from classical theism are really modifications of or departures from the Protestant confessions. Okay, so they want... They want you to, to understand that they have a particular reading of the Protestant Confessions, and there can be no other reading. That, Despite the fact that everybody who knows history knows that the at, at Westminster, there were people who wanted to say more, but they didn't get to say more, because there were people in the group that wanted to say less. Every confession is a compromise. Not in the negative form, but in the positive form of we are trying to... I just was talking with Tobias about, you know, putting together a statement. When you put together a statement um, and you have more than one mind involved, compromise is going to be involved. Uh, Because no one thinks identically the same to somebody else. And so the... Confessions specifically use language that allows unity to exist on the greatest foundation possible without being so specific that you end up with only one person who can sign the confession. All right, this is how the Westminster work. This is how the Savoy, London, etc., etc., etc. That is a historical fact. You can't deny it. That's the reality. And so what we have going on today is a group of people who have decided that's too broad. Or they will look at... Now look, I have been uh, badly misrepresented over and over again by people who say that I teach eternal functional subordination, uh, any of the acronyms that are used of some kind of, uh, of concept of eternal subordination. Anybody who knows me and knows the program knows that that is... A slanderous lie. Uh, I have never taught these things. You can go back to 2016 when the explosion took place. And what you'll find me doing, and where I take a minority view, like Warfield in, in some of his, 
Warfield's emphasis upon the sun is uh, the aseity of the sun. Calvin's uh, departure from post-Nicene orthodoxy and emphasizing the, the fact that the sun is autotheosi, is God in and of himself, the aseity of the sun. Um, I've held that position for decades. And again, nobody canceled me for any of that in the past, but today, cancel culture is rife amongst the Reformed. Love of the Reformed amongst the Reformed is not real rife, but uh, cancel culture is, sadly. Anyway, uh, so uh, I have, when, when you emphasize the aseity of the Son, that he is autotheos, as Calvin did, because, and I agree a thousand percent with Calvin, um, I see a serious danger in asserting that the Son is not Ase. I don't see how you can avoid um, some type of form of subordinationism and, and what makes, what, what, what drives me um, but what is not a part of the experience of many of the others involved in this discussion is I take this outside of the community. I take this um, to unbelievers. I t- take this to people who oppose the Christian faith. And the vast majority, vast, vast majority of those commenting on these subjects simply live in the ivory towers. They, they don't take it outside of Facebook groups, uh, and things like that. They don't look a Muslim in the eye and deal with the nature of sonship. They just don't. That's just not part of their experience. And so uh, I think that's an important... I try to recognize that. I try to recognize that could produce um, imbalance on my part. But at the same time, if all you do is your work within the academy, that can produce imbalance on your part. And... Which imbalance is more, da- is more dangerous? Um, I, I, I can give an answer to that. So, with all that said, uh, here's the, here's the uh, section uh, found in, right after that click to tweet that I just gave you. Ironically, many, quote, Reformed Baptists, end quote. I'm not sure why it's in quotes. I'm not sure why it's scare quotes there. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But it's, it's in quotes. Such as James White, who proclaim their allegiance to the Second London Confession of 1689, do not teach it faithfully. They appear not to understand what the confession means when it says that God is without body parts or passions. This seems to be because they fail to understand the 17th century Protestant scholastic theology from which the confession arose. They echo rationalistic modernists in denying divine simplicity because they do not see how important it is for safeguarding monotheism in Trinitarian theology. They also show no sign of grasping the importance of speaking analogically about the attributes of God in order to maintain the oneness of God when speaking of the triune nature of God. The category of mystery does not work in their theology, nor do they distinguish between what the fathers called theologia and economia, that is, the imminent and economic trinity. There is only one trinity, of course, but not everything can be said about the economic trinity can properly be said about the imminent or eternal trinity because of the historical fact of the incarnation. And then he goes on from there to talk about the 2016 um, explosion, you know, uh, Wayne Grudem and everything else that uh, happened back then. I, I remember uh, very clearly the fact uh, that I... 
2016, when I rode the triple bypass ride, I rode with a pastor friend. Uh, we started together. And on the initial climb, uh, all the way up uh, Juniper Pass, uh, our conversation was on uh, EFS. And as we would either be passed or being pass- passing others, uh, I was chuckling at the looks on the faces of the other cyclists as we were having this in-depth discussion of Trinitarian theology uh, at the beginning of a 120-mile uh, bike ride in, uh, in Colorado. Uh, so I remember very well uh, what, what year that was. So I made the comment, and I'm going to respond to the, the paragraph here in a moment. Uh, first of all, let me just mention, there are no references. I, I went to... Uh, I, and See, this is something that, that I do this out of respect for Dr. Carter, but he doesn't do it out of disrespect to me. So there are many in the Thomistic side um, that purposefully act in a disrespectful way toward anyone who does not embrace their position. I'm not sure what it is about Thomism that, that engenders this, but the, the unkindness, the disrespect, the, uh, the insults, uh, they're just all over the place. And we've all seen it. And, it, and a lot of people have commented, what, what, what's this all about? What, why are you all doing this? What, what does that all mean? Um, there are, I went to his Substack a version of this article, and uh, there are no references there either. And so uh, I guess some people say, well, you don't have to put it Everybody just knows these things. That, that's baloney. If you're going to say that someone denies something, someone doesn't understand something, especially when that person has put your books and your words on that screen and walk through them accurately and carefully, it is truly shameful to then misrepresent them and not even try to give a reference. I, I mean, as a scholar, I would just I would be ashamed at, at, at such horrific violation of the, the, the basic standards of behavior. But there are no references. There are no references. And so I said, I commented, I linked to this on Twitter, and I said, I just found out about this. And so on the dividing line, uh, we will be addressing this, and we will be correcting the many errors and the, 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 you know, just the fact that this is a, a slanderous... I mean, you're, you're saying that I, I do not teach it faithfully because I don't understand it the way you do. Um, and you are saying you don't understand what body parts and passions meant. Uh, you uh, echo rationalistic modernist in denying divine simplicity. I even linked him to my uh, 2003 article in Table Talk where I... Uh, presented simplicity, a biblical simplicity, not a philosophically speculative simplicity. That's the problem. You don't believe in simplicity unless you believe it the way they believe it. That's, that's the whole thing here. Uh, once you get these super confessionalist folks, there is only one way to understand this language. See, they, these people could never produce another confession because they're not Catholic enough. They cannot allow the range of interpretation that the Westminster Confession did allow for its own words. They can't do that. That's the problem. And here's something else to keep in mind. Let me mention this before I forget it. This movement will turn in upon itself. 
Mark it down, write it down. August 30th, 2022. James White said on the dividing line that eventually these people will turn on each other. Because see, no one can ever be as confessional as you are. And once that becomes your goal in life, once, once you find some kind of super spiritual um, excitement in uh, crossing every T, dotting every I, uh, in, in the most narrow possible way. I, once you have finished reading every single word that was ever written by every framer of the London Baptist Confession of Faith, um, you will turn on anybody who disagrees with you. It creates a brittleness. I think that's where the nastiness comes from. Um, and they will turn on each other. They will turn on each other. Because see, right now, there's book contracts and there's, um, there's lots of uh, you know, promotion and, and stuff like that uh, to be found. Um, but that doesn't last forever. And to be honest with you, the vast majority of people, once they dig into this, even if they go, okay, all right, um, so internally to God, ad intra, God sees his omniscience as being exactly the same thing as his love. Um, okay, I get it. Because you, you buy Thomas's metaphysics, and so if there's a distinction, then that becomes separate things, and God becomes complex because he's made up of stuff. And of course, I reject that. I think God's big enough to recognize the difference between his love and his omniscience without turning them into objects out of which he's made. Okay? Um. It, 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 is, it is a belief that has zero, no impact whatsoever on the Christian life. It doesn't. I've heard the guys trying, they're just desperate to convince people that without this, you'll end up denying the gospel. <laughs> I saw, I saw Reformed Baptists saying, you don't, you don't believe in this doctrine of divine simplicity. I believe in divine simplicity. Dr. Carter, I believe in divine simplicity. God is not made up of constituent parts. I believe that. That it does not follow, and none of you can prove, and none of you can even try to prove, that it follows that you must say that internally to God, he sees his omniscience the same as his love. I think he's much bigger than that, because we can tell the difference. I'm sure he can too. That doesn't turn them into parts about out of which he's made. That is an absurd conclusion. You can believe it all you want. I have said this since December of last year. If you want to believe, if it somehow helps you to believe that God in his own experience sees all of his attributes as one big attribute soup and there's no distinction between them, more power to you. God bless you. I'm not going to call you a heretic. I'm not going to cancel you. I'm not going to warn people about you. But you can't return the favor. That's what's being proven. That's what's being shown over and over and over again. You can't return the favor. Now, you can't, not a one of you. And I'll debate. You want to you get your big boys out? You want to get Barrett out? Dolezal out? I will debate. The apostles taught the extended de- definition of divine simplicity. And you won't do it. You will not debate that, will you? You know why? Because you know it's not true. You know that it is the result of extended discussion of natural theology. You know you're dependent upon Aquinas. You know you're dependent 
upon a metaphysical construct that is a, not a part of the experience of the apostles of Jesus Christ. So you would never, ever debate the idea that the apostles taught this, because they didn't. And you know they didn't. That does not make it something that is horrible and terrible. It just doesn't have any meaning. It doesn't accomplish anything. No monotheism is not defended by it. The Trinity is not defended by it. Because every horrible thing that you say results from not going that far is clearly and completely kept from happening by the Bible itself, by biblical truth. The Bible's actually enough. I don't need the rest of it. The Bible is actually enough. And I'm starting to wonder, no, I'm not starting to wonder. There are a number of you who have already come to the conclusion. You may not even realize you've come to this conclusion yet, but you don't believe the Bible's enough. You don't believe it's enough. And you've said it, you just haven't, it just hasn't sunk in yet that you really have come to that conclusion. Um, and that's the problem. So there was the doctrine. There was the one thing that started all this. And then, I don't know, two, three months later, along comes inseparable operations. However, that's defined. And this new idea that the only way you can distinguish Father, Son, and Spirit is not by anything they do, because they're all doing it at the same time, but by the internal relations, you know, begettal, spiration, that's the only way you can distinguish the divine persons. And again, I don't... I've actually sadly heard some people try to preach in light of that, and the resultant mishmash must have left the people in their pews going, what on earth is he talking about? If that's what I need to understand, I'll never understand Scripture. I'm not even going to bother to try, because I need this priest class to tell me um, what to believe. Um, so, anyway, so I said I'm going to... I'm going to uh, talk about uh, this particular item, and I'm going to uh, refute it on the dividing line. And so I linked him so that he would know. And so here's his rants condemning me as a papist and false teacher are ludicrous. Now, I'm, I'm not even sure that he recognized who was writing to him, to be honest with you. Because he says his, but I'm the one that wrote to him. So you'd have to say your. His rants condemning me as a papist, a false teacher, or ludicrous. Anyone who has read me can see he does not understand my books. He denies the theology of the confession he supposedly holds and is not to be trusted. Well, okay. So let's just, let's just remember what the context to here is. Uh, Dr. Carter has put into print words about my beliefs that are false. And he gives no references. And so I say publicly, I'm going to respond to this and demonstrate that Dr. Carter is an error. His response is, his rants condemning me as a papist and false teacher are ludicrous. Um, no, no, notice, this, this, was, this was my tweet. I cannot help but point out I have placed entire pages of Craig A. Carter's published works and statements on the screen and interacted with him. He responds by misrepresenting me without a single citation anyone can read. Not even Thomas would have done that smiley face. Okay? So I didn't call for his cancellation. 
I didn't call for people. I'm going to warn everybody about Craig Carter. That's, I'm leaving that to them. That's, that's their shtick. They're, they're the, you know, they're getting into the medieval period. So they, if they want to be the, the Reformed Baptist Inquisition, all yours. Go for it. There's some really funny Monty Python skits you might want to check out that would make you a little bit more enjoyable to be around. Um, but that's what I said. And so his, his rants condemning me as a papist. And so I responded, I think I have, let me grab it here. Oops, did I minimize? Oh, I maximized that. Okay. Um, I basically responded by saying, please show me where I've ever called you a papist. I'll wait. Please show me where I ever called you a false teacher. I'll wait. Um, then I said, uh, I do not deny the theology of the confession that I uh, uphold, and I will wait for you to document that accusation as well. He responded by blocking me um, and by saying, and here's, here's the other one. Uh, here it is. Oh, why, why would that work? Why would that? Okay, we can, there's more than two ways to do this. I have no intention of debating you on tea. You would like that. You show no interest in learning or finding the truth, just cheap debating tricks. But it isn't high school anymore. You think you know it all, but you don't. I will continue to warn others about you. Blocked. Wow. Wow. So, so think about that. You publish, you, you, you go to print, misrepresenting someone who's a published author, an ordained minister, decades of, of ministry experience. And he says, you're wrong. Back up what you said. You'd, uh, you'd want me to debate you. This isn't high school. So, so asking a scholar to back up his publicly made assertions about another minister is high school? There's only one way to explain this. He got caught. He got caught trusting what he was told by other people. There are other people, I'm sure, over the past number of months, somebody, don't know who, said, oh, James White said you're a papist. Now, that means that someone could have misled Dr. Carter. There may have been someone um, who, because I, for example, in, in discussion of his great tradition exegesis statement, I pointed out that the fundamental language that he uses in his book is derived specifically from Roman Catholic theology, because it is. And he admits it. That's just the next paragraph in the book shows he knows it. So I've read a lot of Roman Catholic theology. I've never seen Dr. Carter debating any Roman Catholics. I don't know that he's written any books on the subject. Uh, but I have. And so I know Roman Catholic theology, and so I'm like, this is originating 
from Roman Catholic terminology. Um, and that's why it sounds so strange to us. If you can't tell the difference between identifying the origin and source of the language of published material with simply calling someone a papist, you shouldn't be involved in scholarship. You don't know how to do it. You're not doing it. And so maybe someone that he trusts, he shouldn't be trusting. I don't know. But I simply did the proper thing. I demanded, because if you're going to go, if you're going to name names... This is, this is the standard I live by. I'm showing you his own words, right? I'm not just reading them to you. I'm showing you his own words. And when I interacted with his definition of a great tradition exegesis, I put it on the screen. We walked through it carefully. And I said to him, if you say, if you say I've misrepresented you, show me. Document it. And that's his response. It's a childish explosion of projection because everything he's saying that I'm doing is what he's doing. He's acting like a high schooler here. He's the one doing bluster when he's been caught misrepresenting somebody else and he can't back up what he said. He just can't do it because it's not true. It's falsehood. We've all been there. We've all gotten caught and stuff like that, haven't we? That's why I'm willing to say, hey, I'm looking forward to the day when Dr. Carr says, I blew it. I am sorry. Um, please forgive me. I look, I look forward to that. Um, but that's exactly the situation. He's trusting people he shouldn't be trusting. And what this means is, what, is it, what we're experiencing is this cancellation. That I, I have people that I've, I've known for decades, and they don't know this, but other people will send me stuff from message boards and, and Facebook groups and whatever. People know me for decades. Now just completely misrepresenting me. And they've never contacted me. They don't show any evidence of having listened to anything that has been said on this program. Is that enjoyable? No, it's not. It really does make you go, wow, um, I thought <laughs> I thought we had you know, more respect for one another. Uh, there was something about the brotherhood, you know, that you wouldn't just turn around and just start ripping and shredding on people because of something. You heard someone say something, and now you're repeating it, and then it gets repeated by somebody else, gets repeated by somebody else. That's why God identifies gossip and slander as sins that will be judged by him. And the ease with which we can engage in speech using our fingers has made us significantly more liable to uh, the sin of gossip and slander. There's no question about it. Uh, And that's what we have here. And it ends up impacting things. You know how many churches are closed to me now? That I could have benefited them, that I may have gifts that would be exactly what they need in their context, but they won't have it now because they believed a lie. They believed slander, they believed gossip, they believed imbalanced statements. Um, again, that, that's in God's hands. 
and those responsible for it will be judged. And if they're Christians, um, it's under the blood of Christ, but there's, they still need to recognize the sin that they've engaged in. And so, when all this first started, you know, I tried to avoid any names, anything, because I, I did not want to see any division developing. That was a short-lived hope, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, now we're very careful. You know, quote them. Quote it directly. Quote it openly. Respond to it um, in, an, in an honest and biblical fashion. And... Uh, that's the only way to do it. Otherwise, you're just doing, you're just doing the gossip and slander thing. So, um, Dr. Carr says, I am not to be trusted. Who has accurately represented the other side? I have always accurately represented him. All he did was misrepresent me. Who's to be trusted? Who's to be trusted? What's the standard upon which you are to judge? Who's to be trusted? Um, I think that is very, very clear. So, the specific statements, let me wrap this up. We've been going nearly two hours. Um, the, this has been central to this whole discussion. Uh, is the, the assertion is, if you can demonstrate that there were people um, involved in the writing of the London Baptist Confession that would have understood parts in an extended fashion with the ad intra, ad extra thing, then that means that is the only possible meaning of the Second London Confession. And if you don't go there, then you're not teaching it faithfully. You can teach 99.999% of it. And 99.99999% of Reformed Baptists have lived and died without ever having a clue what the difference between ad intra and ad extra cogitations on God's part would have to do with anything. But you're not teaching it faithfully. That's why I said this becomes brittle. You eventually turn on each other and it will blow up in your faces. I've been telling you that for a while and I'm not sure I'm going to live long enough to see it all come to fruition, but I have a feeling I will. Uh, So that's what it means not teach it faithfully. Now, could I turn around and put Carter's statement about great tradition exegesis up there and compare it with the first chapter of the London Baptist Confession and what it says about the persecuted scripture and say, you, sir, are in contradiction to that. I think I could make a strong argument that would be the case. Make a strong argument. Which is more important? A doctrine that 99.999% of Reformed Baptists will never even think about or the sufficiency of scripture? Which one outweighs the other? I'll let you answer that question. They appear, like I said, not to understand what the confession means. No, we understand. Fine. Again, I see no evidence. I have no evidence. I have no references. I have no footnotes and nothing in the words to tell me that Dr. Carter has ever actually listened to anything I've said. And I'm getting the feeling for a lot of these guys, they want to keep it that way because that's their way of showing disrespect. You're not worthy of being listened to. Here's your problem, guys. Your students are listening. Your students are listening. As well they should. As well they should. So, if you want to keep your nose firmly planted at a 45 degree elevation above the horizontal, it's up to you. Um, this seems to be because 
they fail to understand the 17th century Protestant scholastic theology from which confession arose. Well, don't feel to, fail to understand it at all. I've read Churton and nobody said. I'm just the, you know, the dumb guy that takes this stuff out into the real world. So it has to be defensible. It has to be biblical. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a reformed biblicist. And I, I know that you just find that horrible. Um, they echo rationalistic modernness in denying divine simplicity. The only thing I can figure there is when I shocked everybody by agreeing with uh, William Lane Craig that this idea of mono-attributional sameness is biblically indefensible. doesn't mean that I agree with William Lane Craig on almost anything else. Um, but I, that's the only thing I, can, I guess they can figure. And so, once again, a real scholar who's serious about the craft would differentiate between what I said and what William Lane Craig says. Because anybody can tell there's... <laughs> Rather vast difference uh, between where we're coming from, but no differentiation made because this isn't serious scholarship. This is this is projection. This is just warn, warning. Don't listen to these people. They're bad, bad people. So we're just going to say what we want about them, and we won't make any any. We get to make all the distinctions in the world about our position <laughs> when we when we have to come up with new terminology that we're using to try to find a way to make things fit. We distinguish, uh, but you don't get to distinguish. No, nope, that's only for us. Um, because they did not see how important it is for safeguarding monotheism in Trinitarian theology. Um, Again, uh, the strongest mechanism for maintaining monotheism in Trinitarian theology is biblical. It's biblical. What is it? Father, Son, and Spirit are identified as Yahweh. There's one divine name. And yet the New Testament writers identify Jesus, the Son, as Yahweh. John does it. Paul does it. Luke does it. So, there's no way that you can become a polytheist. Polytheism is fundamentally opposed to basic biblical revelation. I don't need Aquinas' theology to maintain monotheism. Neither did the early church. And if you say the Bible is so inept and incapable of defending monotheism without that metaphysical area, and I think Carter goes there. You know, got to become a Christian Platonist, right? Um, Then you see why a lot of us are going, I don't think you people actually believe in Sola Scriptura. Do you realize you keep going that direction? What, What that means? Hmm. Strange. Huh. Well, anyway. Uh, they also show no sign of grasping. Notice how all this, and this is constant with Thomas. This is constant with Thomas. Thomas believed they are smarter than everybody else because they read Thomas Aquinas. The condescension and arrogance that Thomism breeds is famous. I just never expected to see it amongst our own ilk. But you, you, you criticize Thomas about anything. And it's just because you hadn't read enough, you know. And so I'll quote Thomas. I'll read an entire section of Thomas. This is his point. Silence. Uh, You just, what they're really saying is you need to be saying all the time reading the scholars of Thomas, not Thomas. But then again, there are different schools of Thomistic interpretation and they come to very different conclusions and that just doesn't really work. 
Eh, it works for us. Uh, they also show no sign of grasping the importance of speaking analogically about the attributes of God in order to maintain the oneness of God when speaking of the triune nature of God. Um, anybody who has spent any time at all listening to lectures, reading materials on Van Til, analogical language. Now again, Dr. Carter doesn't have any idea of what I've actually taught him any of this stuff. So he's just shooting from the hip out of ignorance. That's all it is. Well, you can't complain. You just said that they say that you're ignorant, and now you just said he's ignorant. Yeah, about me. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different subject. I'm not a big subject. <laughs> it wouldn't be all that. There are, there are people in our little private chat channel that have listened to everything that I've said on this subject, and they know what I believe. And it didn't require a PhD to come up with that, uh, those conclusions. Pretty straightforward. I see no evidence. There's no references, no quotes. I can say I know what Craig Carter says because I quote him. Where's he ever quoted me? Show me. Once. One place. One place. He, I didn't read this one, but notice this one down here. I've been too patient with this guy for too long. <laughs> I've been too patient with this guy for too long. Um, he's never quoted me. Where's he ever quoted me? Even once. Someone show me? I've never seen it. I would have responded gladly. It's not there. So, uh, patient? <laughs> okay. I think most people would say my response is patient, not his. The category of mystery does not work in their theology. I don't know what kind of application he's making there. I really don't. Um, nor they distinguish between what the fathers called theologia and economia. That is the imminent and the economic trinity, except that probably the majority of people in this audience know the difference between those, those terms because I've taught it to you. So again, pure ignorance, hasn't read the forgotten trinity, doesn't know what he's talking about, but doesn't seem to slow him down. There's only one trinity, of course, but not everything that can be said about the economic trinity can probably be said about the imminent or eternal trinity because the historical fact of the incarnation. Well, all of that's true. All that's true. has nothing to do with my position, um, but that didn't stop him from putting this into print. And so, as I said, uh, Dr. Carter has decided uh, that I'm not to be trusted uh, and that I will continue to warn others about you. Blocked. So, um, I will continue to quote... Craig A. Carter, accurately, I'll interact with his published works. And when they lead us to things like his great tradition, exegesis, I will point that out and warn people about it. But I will do so as a Christian. I will do so truthfully. And I will back up my citations with references. And if he insists on continuing to slander me, to lie about me, and to not use references, that just says everything that needs to be said. Right? So one side will do it right. One side will do it the way that they've decided to do it. Um, and we'll go from there. We'll go from there. So, uh, there you go. Uh, like I said, we will see what the uh, rest of the um, week looks like. 
if uh, things get busy for Rich, then we'll find other ways of communicating. And uh, then I leave on Tuesday. Uh, so I, I, I hit the road again a week from the day. Um, and this is going to be a long one. Uh, prayers, uh, your, your support obviously needed. Prayers for um, safe travel. Uh, it looks like uh, Chris Arnzen is this close to scheduling a debate in uh, Pennsylvania. Oh, he contacted you? Because he tried calling me. And I'm like... Chris. Call everybody. Yeah, Chris just calls everybody. (laughs) Yeah, I said, Chris Irons. I'm like, sorry, bro. I'm sort of busy. Um, Yeah. um, Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Sorry, Matt. Sorry. Sorry about that. I'll... um, Anyway. um, So... uh, We'll let you know as soon as we have that. It, it, it would be on either the King James onlyism or TR onlyism. Be on a textual critical issue, uh, and this would be sort of around the Harrisburg area in Pennsylvania, if you know that area, because uh, I'm going to be staying in the Harrisburg, Virginia, uh, Pennsylvania, Virginia area, because I've got to get into Washington D.C. Not looking forward to that at all. Um, seriously, considering Ubering in, um, but. Uh, I'll be in that area for a period of time, and then we'll be at G3, and that, of course, will be on the reliability of Scripture and its history and, and, and things like that. Uh, and then, as you know, on, well, on the 10th, I will be at Covenant of Grace Church in St. Charles that one evening. It's a one-night thing. I mean, I'm going to be driving in that day, and we're going to do the very enjoyable talk that I do. It's always different each time. Um, but an evening with ancient Christians where I just draw from some of the you know, early church history stuff and make application, and it's always enjoyable. Uh, that's on the 10th. But then uh, early church history, Grace Bible Theological Seminary in Conway, uh, on the way back. And it will be a full 30 nights, so uh, more than four weeks on the road. So prayers for safety for me, for my wife, and... Um, uh, you know, all the things that I'm going to have to do when I get back after all these long trips. <laughs> um, uh, weeds and all sorts of neat, fun stuff like that. But uh, that's coming up, and um, we'll start again next week. And so we'll have on-the-road programs, which means the timing will be when I can get in, get set up, get electricity, and and uh, get something to eat, and we we do the program. So... That's uh, how it works. We've appreciated all of you who stuck with us while we're doing this way. And there seems to be a lot of folks who uh, actually do appreciate the fact that um, we're getting out into the churches. Uh, we're getting out into uh, places that a lot of folks just aren't you know, willing to go. Um, and it's not so much willing to go. It's just how I'm traveling. When I, look, when, I, when, I, when I take any time at all to read the nightmare stories... Coming out of air travel today? Oh, goodness. It's scary. Glad not having to do that, uh, but I do have to, you know, like fix a flat once in a while. So that's how it goes. Thanks for watching the program today. Like I said, watch the app to know when we're going to be back on the air again. Appreciate your watching and listening and your prayers. God bless.